Mr. Spears, I watch the news like everyone else. I know who you are, and I saw analyze this. I don't need the ramifications that could arise from treating someone like yourself. Analyze this? Yeah. Come on, it's a fucking comedy. And isn't Sopranos just another comedy at times as well? Welcome to Cut to Black. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, and I also watched Analyze This, uh, so I'm totally prepared. I mean, I, I feel like I know the rest of The Sopranos. Do I even need to watch the remaining seasons? I pretty much know it. I watched Analyze This, so we should be fine. But eh, we're still going to do it, though, I think. Uh, we're here, Season 2, Episode 1. How you doing, Jim? I am doing great. I am really excited to be back in uh, Jersey you know, mixing it up in waste management, maybe dipping our beaks a little bit into some stock scams. It feels good to be back in Sopranos. Yes, we are now discussing season two, episode one. Guy walks into a psychiatrist's office. Uh, this episode was written by Jason Cahill, who wrote Meadowlands in Boca from season one. Um, although he did not write any other Sopranos episodes after this one. Directed by Alan Coulter, who also directed College and Isabella before this, and we will see his name in the future. Ah, interesting. Um, this episode is kind of setting the stage again. Uh, you know, it's kind of reintroducing a lot of stuff, and it does open with this whole montage where I imagine if I if it had been a year, I'd be more excited about this montage. I'd be like, oh, it's Paulie, it's this guy. But, it, I mean, we did take a Goodfellas break, but yeah. uh, more or less, I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is exactly as I remember it. But I, I can see why they put it in, but uh, it's kind of just showing that most things are the same. Uh, the changes are Melfi's seeing clients in a motel, and uh, uh, Junior's got a new haircut, that's about it. Yes, yeah. I mean, we get a. It's a nice refresher course, a nice reintroduction. Uh, I mean, before before we do that, you know, let's do a quick reintroduction ourselves. Um, we are going through every episode of Sopranos. I've seen them all a few multiple times. Jacob here has seen none. Well, he's seen he's seen season one. This is his yeah. initial inaugural uh, watch here. So there will be no spoilers discussed past season two, episode one. Uh, so if you're also uh, a little 14 years old, uh, you yeah. can follow along without any worry. Uh, and real quick before we get into it, I do want to read this email we got. You oh, mentioned yeah. that we took a quick off-ramp last week to kind of break up the seasons a little bit and watch Goodfellas. Uh, and we did get an email from Spencer here, who, who was also Pugs something something uh, on iTunes for the review, which, mm -hmm. which is great. What a great dude. Not only submits a review, also sends a little feedback. Uh, so, yeah, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for reading my review on the show. That was really cool. I like that you guys have the difference of perspective and experience with the show. Makes it really stand out from other TV podcasts. The Goodfellas Ep was a really cool idea. I learned a lot of new things, and there's never a bad time to rewatch that movie. Hopefully, I can do that this weekend. Uh, just an idea. What about doing episode... Uh, on The Sopranos and Twin Peaks, I believe David Chase has said it was a strong influence, the way it used nature, surrealism, ambiguity. Uh, I think there's enough to tie into. And what he says here isn't really a spoiler. Like, I'm sure if someone read this, they'd be like, why are you blanking this out? But I'm trying to keep Jacob as pure as possible. Thank uh, you. So it, it, there's no real spoilers here. I'm just not going to read it because he does specify like a season and stuff. Uh, but he says, not mafia related, but I think it could work. Great podcast. Can't wait to get into season two, which might be my favorite. So many classic episodes back to back. Take care. Thank you so much for the feedback. Uh, and yes, it is good to hear because we weren't sure. Uh, I feel like the Goodfellas Ep was a cool little off-ramp, and we kept it Sopranos-related. So if you like that, let us know. If you thought it was uh, garbage, you can also still let us know. 
Yes, this is an interactive show, believe it or not. Uh, we are not very good at plugging the email, but if you want to send feedback on any episode at all, actually, like if you know, oh shit, episode two, season two, it's the best one of all of them, for example. I can only assume, you know, I don't know. Uh, but if you do think that, you can send your thoughts preemptively about that episode, and we will have them next week when we discuss that episode, and so on. If it's about, I mean, I guess I'm just not going to open anything with the Sopranos, uh, which means that if you want to send something about the season two finale or the season, whatever, you can send it. Jim's going to be checking that. So don't worry too much about spoilers. Uh, But obviously we're going week to week. So if there's anything in season two coming up that you have a very specific thought about or or just want to give us your your take on our take, you know, we were idiots for not realizing this or that. Uh, please send it to shows what you know show at gmail.com. And we're not very great at plugging this either, but this is called Cut to Black, but our main podcast is Shows What You Know, which you'll find at showswhatyouknow.com, where we discuss all manner of television shows. Uh, the Sopranos just happens to be the one we care the most about right now, but we are going to get into Westworld and Handmaid's Tale as those uh, seasons two start up uh, in this upcoming week, so we will be doing more live streams uh, alongside Cut to Black. Yes, but don't worry, the Sopranos will not be taking a back seat. But anyways, back to season two, enough of that. Uh, yep. Yeah, as Jacob was saying, we start off with a nice little montage. And yeah, I, I guess that's an interesting take, but even even having that small off-ramp of Goodfellas, I was hyped for the montage and i'm like oh hell yeah there's there's silvio this is awesome there's christopher i'm like wait that's not christopher maltesanti uh when they're you know at the class at the beginning to start the montage it's like a stock uh, exam but anyways nice reintroduction to everyone and then who do we see uh as we get the as you'll come to realize patented tony walk down the driveway to get the newspaper (laughs) shot who do we Mm -hmm. see Big Pussy is back. Yeah, and he's alive as well. I have owe Polly an apology. I was really trying to put him in the ground last time. And, you know, I was accusing him of ever, this and that. It was all Game of Thrones here for me. I wanted him uh, to, to, wanted to cut his head off. Uh, that would have been premature. Pussy is indeed alive. Uh, I will say his story does kind of stink as far like it we did bring up yeah it makes t- perfect sense that uh, he's a bit freaked out by everyone acting so weird around him but then like oh why didn't you even tell your wife and he's like well you know there was this 26 year old and then they kind of drop it and I'm like okay I guess uh what's what do you think uh well yeah I mean I vaguely remember an interview with David Chase when he was talking about uh, the big pussy character in season one. And he kind of said how as writers, as they were finishing everything up, they were like, what the fuck happened to big pussy? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> they were kind of like, Oh shit. Like, uh, I mean, it's a thread they left open and you know, now they got to kind of figure out what happened there. I feel like that's, uh, I, I, got, I have to find the exact interview, but I feel like he, he did admit that kind of freely we're like wait a minute so where where did he go um and so you know now he's back and i think it's also very intentional that you know because we we do see little three little segments throughout the episode that even tony is still kind of like checking up on him and he's still kind of side-eyeing him and when he when he does have some of that extra aggression he's going to direct it at big pussy because yeah i mean this dude just disappeared and now he just shows up and he wants what all his collections off the street he thinks he's going to get it without a, maybe a little taste wasn't taken off the top yeah yeah and i mean he does pat him down and everything they leave it fairly ambiguous so far but that's interesting uh, you know oddly enough that's the type of writing as far as television that i almost respect more than when someone says like oh we have a five season plan i'm like get the fuck out of here i know you don't but if someone says like oh yeah we didn't know what we were doing like we were just <laughs> we just threw shit in the air and that sounds bad but actually like you know one of our favorite shows breaking bad is the same thing where they didn't really know what was going to happen in the season the next season ever they were just focusing on what makes sense for these characters right now? And that's why I really like that they leave 
it opened to all possibilities uh, as far as like anything feels like it could happen as long as it makes sense with the characters. And uh, yeah, Pussy's back. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because, I mean, I like both sides because I love when you can either rewatch or when you watch a show and you realize like, oh my God, they planted a seed for that two seasons ago and now they're paying it off. But I also I love when writers are smart enough. Well, they're honest enough to admit, uh, well, you know, this we didn't fully have planned, but they're smart enough to really mine their own storytelling and figure out the best way dramatically or ways to pay off threads that they maybe didn't have set in stone, but they're able to work with it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, all great things. So, yeah, Big Pussy's back. And, yeah, like you mentioned, I'd like how... You know, Tony's doing that thing where he's like, who's your boss? Who's your boss? And he's yelling at him and being a, a piece of shit. And then he seems like he's warmed up to him and he's like, come here, you. But then there's still that pat down moment. And then again, he has to be like, all right, come here. And now it's like, finally, he's kind of showing him a little love. Uh, and I, I like that it kind of still makes sense for for everyone here. It, it makes sense. Because Big Pussy points out, like, you show up in my house in the middle of the day. You never, you've never done that. And you're saying, like, hey, I'm your friend. But even though Tony, I mean, as we, the audience, we, I believe Tony that he was just trying to, you know, let him know. Like, there was, he was being genuine. Even though, yeah, he's trying to fish out where he was at. But I feel like he was being de- genuine and w- maybe would have tried to help if he knew some shit was going down. Uh, and then Yeah, if- but, but I mean, he, he it could have been, like... I, I'm not a rat, but he's acting like he wants me to reveal that I'm a rat, and if I don't, he's going to kill me. True. Yeah, very true. Because, yeah, it makes sense why he would take off. Yeah, some of the other stuff, the details in there, uh, uh, it definitely comes off a little fishy, where it's like, yeah, I've, you know, what he, he met someone through his back uh, surgery or something, not surgery, like his back issues, he met a doctor, then he met, meets a 26-year-old, and he's hanging out in Puerto Rico. Uh, mm-hmm. But now he's back because, hey, you know, he's got a family, he's got kids in college, he needs to make some money. Yeah, and then Paulie's like, oh, checked it out. It seems to check out. And I'm like, okay, Paulie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I love your, uh, <laughs> your mi- How did your he mistress do that Pauly? research exactly? I'd like to know. <laughs> like, did he go to Puerto Rico and really, really, like, hit the pavement? Or, like, how deep did his research go, really? And, and I like that we don't really see, because um, when Carmela's like, Tony, who are you talking at down there? Or yeah. fine, bring up some water then. Like, she's all pissed. But I expected mm-hmm. there to be a moment where at least the family's like, oh, hey, where have you been? Like, he's back. This is great. But it just cuts them sitting on the couch and they're just, like, drinking coffee and then having a discussion about, you know, Uncle June. And uh, maybe, who- maybe they just didn't want to have a scene where they're like, Uncle Pussy. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so then we 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 hear that uh, Phil Leotardo, I believe, is his name. He's taken over Junior's crew. Um, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Oh, Phil, yeah. Parisi, not Leotardo. Uh, yeah. I think Leotardo's from Goodfellas. I forget. But yeah, Philly yeah. Spoons Parisi has taken over uh, Uncle Junior's crew. And then we get to see him. Uh, we get to see a nice little setup where a guy gets dropped off at the airport just to get picked up by him. Um, yeah. and, it's oh. an elaborate ruse, basically, where they, they, got the, they got the bag, they throw it in the thing, and the guy doing the actual wet work is also one of Junior's soldiers, uh, so that's why he feels free and loose with giving all this information. Uh, but also, like, I guess he gets killed for having a big mouth, but I guess essentially it's for being disloyal to tony and talking a bunch of shit basically right yeah it's kind of a clear like he's clearly one of those guys that's uh probably like around tony and stuff like oh yeah okay cool tony you're the best but then to the crew Mm -hmm. it's like we'll never respect this guy we're loyal to junior and plus you know he's uh he's crazy because he goes to a therapist and he tried to smother his mother uh it's very reminiscent of that scene with junior in season one when he's like ducked down in the back of the car and uh, Mikey has to shoot the dude for making the crack about, you know, his own mother wants him whacked or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and funnily enough, it's kind of the same thing they're talking about. So both Junior and Tony wants to kill people for talking shit about their family. Yeah, so it's a nice little setup. And then I, I like the detail because he just shoots him in the face in the car. But then he has to like hold his ears because it's like, holy shit, this is fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Um, you know what I'm excited for, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm excited, too. <laughs> if you're if you're watching live uh, or on the YouTube, we have finally gotten our act together, and we do have the walkout counter, and we have the death counter, and they're right next to each other. Now we haven't been keeping you up to date, so we can tell you now. After rigorous rewatching and calculations, we're we're sitting there like a couple of people working for uh, Christopher, basically, with just crunching these numbers, and we've come up with that in season one, in our opinion, there were. 13 deaths and five bona fide walkouts. Uh, we're talking about when he storms out of the therapist's office and such. Now, most people will count 15 deaths for season one, but we are not counting the old lady in the coffin, and we are not counting the kid who we hear about jumping off a bridge uh, after doing drugs. Is that right? That is correct. And we may have counted when Tony storms out of Meadow's room uh, after he finds out that the coach has slept with her friend. But it's a, it's a walkout. I'm counting it. That's a walkout. To be fair, though, we've been pretty strict about if he's in the therapist's office and even if he walks out angry, if there's an indication that it's the end of the session, it's like, no, he was leaving anyway. Yeah. So that's why we, ha- we kind of have to do that. I realize now... I thought it was going to be more balanced, but I feel like as the show progresses, a lot of people are going to die, and uh, possibly Tony will get more emotionally stable? I'm not sure, Uh, but we may get fewer walkouts. I don't know. Right now, it's 13 to 5, Well, which is a lie, actually, because we're about to pump it up to 14. Yeah, throw Philly Spoons Parisi on the counter. Oh, boy, you... (laughs) That's right. There you we go. increased it to 14. <laughs> With much How many fanfare. hours did we work on getting this together? It was so Well, it's it, something though. we talked about for so long and then finally put in the effort to put in the, yeah. the death counter. So there you go. Up to 14. Yep. That's a, I mean, should we just end the show now? Or yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they killed a guy. Uh, what happens after that? I think we go to the stockbroker's office and we see Christopher just sleeping there. I think uh, before he- that, though, we, we do get to we get a quick visit with Melfi, who's uh, working right. out of a motel, like kind of a dingy motel. And Tony gives her the call, like basically once the 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 whack is confirmed he gives her the okay that you know things are clear you can head back home and she's like are you watching me how'd you get this number and then yeah then we go to christopher's stock scam right and uh, which isn't you know it's an interesting scene uh because and just like the first scene of the episode it's really nice to see something that's so out of the context of the show uh, that you kind of have to piece together what's happening as you're watching it like they don't Expl- they don't ever like turn to the camera like and then we started the stock exchange thing to try to do this i mean it's kind of uh, very clearly explained what's going on but it's still nice to just be thrown into it and it's all explained through action like these two weird guys who beat <laughs> the shit out of the only like stock uh, whatever they're doing Sta- sales they're not brokers um well yeah it's like yeah it, it's kind of like yeah sales because they're just calling and just being really pushy on old people to make them buy this stock that's a basically a dud and um then they could sell it because they they have the what is it labiscus wabistics you know yeah. push the wabistic stock uh yeah so they pour coffee on the guy before giving any type of other feedback yeah um which is improper management practice as far as i understand it then they beat the shit out of him too well it's great because christopher has his very own christopher and brendan to worry about now it's such a nice touch because what we saw with chris and brendan in season one with tony and now chris has to deal with it but as we've seen like Chris, there's not a ton of Chris in this episode, but you know him in the montage and him just like sleeping at work. It seems, and, and there's a later scene with Adri- Adriana where they're arguing. It seems like he's getting a little bit into the drugs these days. He's kind of partaking a bit more uh, on the drug side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you said, it, like, these 
I, I feel watching this that like these guys are like that's not the correct way to handle this right as a reasonable person would think and then it's like uh, I, I guess it's like yeah it's a, a few scenes later so I'm, I'm just skipping ahead but but just to mention that when Tony finds out of course it's like what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is not how we handle the situation. They're yeah. like, you sell, sell this shit. And they're like stomping him down and threatening the manager with a knife. And it's like, we open this to uh, be more legit. Remember, you can't run this like they're drug dealers, you morons. Yeah. And well, it and it's nice, too, because it's not like Christopher isn't really telling them to do this. These guys are clearly just dumb, but they know, like, they know Chris and Tony and what they're involved in. So they think they're going to do, you know, the the movie gangster intimidation stuff in a stock uh, brokerage office and, yeah. like, get good, get brownie points. Like, they think they're going to get in with Tony Soprano. And I mean, yeah, like, kind of just playing through this storyline of what we see. It's great when they're at the they're at the bar and they're like, "Does Tony ever mention us?" You know. Yeah, I also love that. <laughs> like a lovesick, uh, two lovesick little boys. Like, does, what's he like when you hang out with him? Does he ever talk about me? Uh, it's pretty great. Um, oh yes, thank you, Chet. Now Phil, Phil Leotardo is not from Goodfellas. It's just I pictured the actor and that actor's in Goodfellas. And yes, Phil, Phil Leotardo is on The Sopranos. Uh, I googled correct. it, and then there was like is this character on The Sopranos, and I almost like threw my screen across the room <laughs> as I always do when there's yeah. something that I uh, should not be aware of. I, I do appreciate the correction. I do know when I s- said it, I was wrong, but I didn't bother trying to explain it. But I know some people out there were probably yelling at their iPhones uh, <laughs> or their YouTube screen when I made that mistake. But you are correct. Yeah, Phil Leotardo is on The Sopranos, but the actor was in Goodfellas. Mm. Uh, that's it. It's we're we're mixing ourselves up. Next time we, I don't know if there's a lot of crossover with Twin Peaks, so maybe that's a better one for next time, so we don't get literally really confused. Or maybe we will. Like, hmm, did Christopher kill Laura Palmer? Who was it? I don't know. Uh, Frank Vincent, rest in peace, by the way. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy it. what is it? It's uh, Matthew uh, Chippendale and, and Sean, I believe. Those are the yeah Matt and Sean now uh, Matthew uh, the the dude that the actor that plays him he was in um, a Bronx Tale and he's okay. also like a weirdo guy like he had to go to jail for uh, for murder or something like that was it a murder I think so he's a method actor uh, are you talking about the character in that story he yeah in two thousand five he was arrested by. Uh, the Yonkers Police Department charged with seventh-degree misdemeanor criminal possession of controlled substance. Um, That's fine. And then he was arrested on suspicion of murdering an off-duty police officer, Daniel Akanchangui. I don't know how to okay, say his well, name. Less, less good. Less fine with that. Uh, they confronted because uh, the 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 name of the actor is uh, Lilo Brancato Jr. He confronted Brancato and his accomplice, Stephen Armento, outside a vacant house uh, next to his own after hearing glass break. And he waited for backup, and then a gunfight erupted, and the uh, off-duty cop was shot, taken to hospital where he died, and then Brancato was arrested. Uh, so believe- he is a method actor. Like, yeah. he can't tell, just like the character. Like, those two characters, I imagine they also, like, love the smell of Blockbuster. They get high <laughs> off it because they're so, like you said, they're doing the mafia thing that they've seen on TV because they're like, yeah, we're working for Tony now. We're tough guys. But they don't know when to do what. Uh, so I guess, uh, yeah, he really got into this role. Yeah, he was sentenced uh, in 2009 to 10 years, and they let him out in 2013. So just quick little oh. uh, quick little trivia for you for the Matthew Bellavacqua character. Um, I'm sure they'll put him in the prequel then, you know, <laughs> since he's out and cleared and everything. So great, great stuff. So, yeah, things are getting heated up at the stock brokerage. Uh, hot coffee being thrown on people, knives, threats, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, we do hear, um, cause after this is what Tony meets with the lawyer, right? Yeah. Which is a very short scene. And I think the point of it is kind of to give us some information mainly and to throw in like an inciting incident of your sister's here. No, not that one. The other one, like it's not really much of a scene in itself. The, the meeting with the lawyer, um, 
because it's kind of like just telling us, thanks for the thing about Webistics. Oh, yeah, we're doing this with Webistics. And what's going on with Junior? Oh, he's trying to get out uh, just uh, until they give him the sentence and they might do it. And Tony's like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then they call about the sister. I mean, Carmilla does. Yes, yeah, Janice is in town. And what's her, she has like an Indian name, pa- Pavati or Par- something like that? Yeah, Parvati. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, th- you know, things happening with the family and the other family as is want to happen on the Sopranos. Mm. Speaking of which, I mean, then we get an emotional family reunion. I'm not talking about Parvati. I'm talking about pussy meeting all the guys again and uh, getting all the good fellas, uh, no, the Godfather <laughs> quotes that he needs and everything. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everyone's having a good old time in the back room of the Bing. Um, Polly and Big Pussy are laughing as if, you know, the last time they saw each other, Polly wasn't ready to, you know, murder him. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Big Pussy's doing a good job of like trying to like uh, keep it light, I guess, because, you know, he's asking about his money and then it's like, oh, we got it. But I mean, hey, maybe some of it got lost in the shuffle. Uh, he brings up Jimmy Altieri and how he was the rat. And, you know, Polly makes the comment like he died with two assholes <laughs> because, you know, they shot right. him in the head, I guess, gave him another asshole. Uh, and then, yeah, go, we go to Silvio's famous uh, Godfather impressions, uh, which we maybe need to put a footnote in this scene and come back to it later. Uh, not in this episode, but when we discuss further episodes, that's all okay. I'll say. Or when we discuss Godfather. Yes. Um. <laughs> Um, so yes, I mean, that's basically it. And then, as we said, Polly pops in to say, yeah, you know, it's totally checks out. I did all the research like I always do really thoroughly. Like, remember, like when you asked me to check if he had a wire and I did all the research so thoroughly like that, I did it on the clinic. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm really excited to see how your, uh, if your trust of Polly changes over these episodes, but I like that I mean, you're very suspicious of him. <laughs> well, I did. I it was my bad. I thought he murdered him, and he didn't. But then, to be fair, David Chase didn't know either. So uh, I, I think I'm in the clear on that one. And he did throw in that line at the end of last season, like, "So are you okay with uh, uh, Tony going to see a psychiatrist?" To me, that's kind of like. So do you want to kill Tony later or what? Yeah. And Silvio's like, what? Shut the fuck up. And then he's like, all right, I'll do it in season three. Yeah, he's throwing out some feelers for sure. Uh, and then we have the you know quintessential Sopranos is when the family are sitting at the like breakfast nook or whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. And Tony comes down in, a, in his wife beater or in his robe. So now Janice is here. We meet his uh, older sister. And there's kind of like little passive aggressive like what family you know just classic family stuff you know he makes some comments about her clothes she talks about her therapy he's like oh who's paying for that we find out she's on disability she's such a classic character at least for me like in my family there are there are a few janices like this where (laughs) you know they get on disability and then they're fucking just like kind of proud weirdos uh, right. and I mean, not as far as where they have like in my family anyways, where they have like an, a, a, a separate Indian name. Who's like the goddess of fertility or whatever it was. Uh, but just the weird scams and the, like the niceties, but there's always like an ulterior motive. So I like how it's kind of all right there, right from the jump. And then we get kind of like a brother and sister moment where he has to sneak out to cause he wants to k- take a haul off that ciggy that she's yeah. smoking. <laughs> Speaking of a brother and sister moment, what about uh, Anthony Jr. and Meadow? They're, they are, like, it's just been a few months in Showtime, as far as I understand it, but it's been a year in real time, and uh, you can really tell, because uh, they're like, yeah, haircut, that'll that'll match it. He looks like a different human being. Yeah, he does. Like, he's been exchanged. Well, to be, he looks like a real human being now, where before <laughs> he was just kind of a, a, a pudgy something or other. And now it's like, oh, God, oh shit, this guy's going to grow up to be a boxer. <laughs> yeah, it's like a complete transformation. Nice growth spurt over the past few months uh, for AJ Soprano. Um, and uh, the as far as like with Tony, I like that, you know, we're seeing the stuff whenever anytime the Livia's brought up and it's like, oh, she's dead to me. 
mm-hmm. which, you know, very understandable because she tried to have him whacked. And they kind of yep. throw out an explanation for the stroke where it's this, um, I mean, I didn't fully get, it's like, it's, it's tied into her borderline personality disorder, but they say that the symptoms are still the same. So it's almost the same as having a stroke. I don't know how like medically legitimate their explanation is, if it's something they made up for the show or if it's something like legit that happens. Well, it sounded like them saying it's psychosomatic, you know, meaning that it's like, yeah, she thinks she's feeling this pain. So of course she is like freaking, you know, uh, better call Saul. Like that's what it sounded like. Uh-huh. I, I haven't rewatched the scene and they do spit some jargon, but basically t- that's Tony saying, yeah, a doctor told me it was bullshit. Um, so basically giving us, I think, an explanation if it's true. I mean, I'm sh- and I'm sure it is that a doctor told him uh, that. So, so at least we have some sort of clarity on that. Yeah, of course she was feeling the pain, but she was convincing herself of it. And even that, I feel like it could have been fake anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, that could just be because they couldn't find the proper symptoms. So they're like, oh, it must be psychosomatic. But actually, it's just fake. Mm, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to just Livia Soprano in general, the yeah, the best explanation is that it is completely fake, but she's able to even convince herself that it's real. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense because she's like that with everything. Yes, yeah. Mm. Uh, um, and then, yeah, then we see... we Back to the Bing. It's like a weird cut because then all of a sudden it cuts and we're at the Bing and then Chris is just like kind of happy having a drink. Like, oh, hey, Tone. And as soon as he walks in, he's just getting strangled, basically. Like He, <laughs> he like walks into Tony's fist and he has yeah. to, you know, educate him a bit on uh, you should be down at the brokerage. Uh, we're trying to make this... You know, it's, it's a legit business that we're scamming, of course. But, hey... Well, what's a little white collar crime between friends? This is also where Gandolfini's acting um, is very good because like the arc of this episode is him falling back into kind of a deeper hole and they don't really do or need to do a lot of stuff as far as the plot with that. Like Pussy's back, ostensibly that's a really good thing because the reason he fell into that deep depression was thinking that Pussy was dead or gone one way or another and now he's back and Tony's still, I mean, he's, he's, he hugs him, he wants to believe and everything, but all the, all the negative emotions and stuff, he doesn't have a way of processing it anymore. He doesn't have a therapist anymore. And in the scene with Christopher, you could just kind of see in his face, he's got a little bit of extra sweat on him, and he does explain it. Uh, like, it's weird, because he's kind of, he is being calm and kind, but he's like, like intensely doing it and like almost holding himself back um so you you kind of see where it's going because it's not that far after this that he's driving off the road yes yeah and uh in kind of a, a little forgivable snafu we could because season one they did say that the house sold but i guess we can assume that the deal fell through what have you it doesn't matter either way they still have the house and now it's on the market again um, so you could forgive it. And cause we do see that they're at the house and it's been trashed because there's a high school nearby. So if you live in New Jersey and you're a high school kid, abandoned home, might as well go in there and drink and then trash it. Well, I thought they said like it went into escrow and I don't know what that means. So I will take whatever explanation they give for anything. Well, I guess that's fair. Yeah. In escrow, I think is when you put, you put like X amount of the, the sale price in, you know, a third party as you finalize, whether it be like an inspection or credit checks, what have you, maybe get the mortgage. I don't know if the mortgage is done by that point. I'm not a homeowner, but it is like a point where things can fall through. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it adds up, as you said. Uh, and yeah, as, as you also said, they're in the ho- home then and talking about how kids broke in and Tony's acting like he's going to literally kill these kids. Um, and Carmela starts listing off like all the bad stuff that he's like, we haven't necessarily seen him any worse than usual, but she's sort of listing off how you're doing this. You're doing that. You're slowly getting worse. Um, which is the truth. Yeah. And it's great. Cause, um, if anyone is going to know, uh, it's Carmela. So it is like a nice touch there because we don't get a lot of Carmilla in this episode outside of what, her just reacting to what Tony's doing. But she's going to pick up on it before anyone. And yes, his aggression slowly building and building. 
Uh, and uh, we, we hear that there's a party coming up for Janice now that she's back in town. And we're going to meet Carmilla's parents because now that Ding Dong the Witch is dead, they'll come by the house because they don't have to deal with Livia Soprano. Uh, yes, and Tony has a Tony has a great line of like I've been a, in a great mood lately, <laughs> and and she's like right, uh, and saying like yeah that he needs to go back to therapy because he's self medicating and about them not having sex. But I mean, were they having sex before A and B self medicating? Wasn't I mean I wasn't is that doesn't everyone do that? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if uh, maybe maybe your self medication is a little booze, maybe it's a little uh, a weed, maybe it's some oxycontin. <laughs> Who knows right. what your own self medication might be? Paracetamol. Um, so then we have Christopher explaining to Chippendale that they're morons, and it's like you said, we've gone from. Christopher being at the bottom of the ladder, and I don't think he understands or appreciates that he's actually moving up. Like, there hasn't been a moment of, like, yeah, I got two guys. He's kind of more realizing, like, Tony has to be to him the guy he is to them, because Tony's like, you fucking idiot. And then Christopher has to go, like, you fucking idiots. Um, So he doesn't actually get to, like, I'm sure he was like, oh, I want to move up and get there. And now it's like, I have more money, more problems. I have headaches now, and people who are idiots underneath me. Yep, more money, more problems, like my man Puff said. And and this yeah. they they this is the closest they do to kind of trying to spell it out to the audience what's going on because Christopher has a line like, "Tell me about this Wobistics," and yeah. they're like, "The Wobistics is the sixty cent stock," and blah blah blah. You know, we're dumping it and uh, it like, uh, but it it makes sense because I almost would also buy that Christopher still doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, <laughs> but then from there, uh, we get to see um, Janice brings Meadow to visit Livia Soprano. And I like this because, I mean, I don't doubt that Meadow loves his grandmother. And even though there's not really like an inciting thing, it, it feels to me that it's it's part of her rebellion to go visit her grandma. Because yeah. it's not like we saw her visiting her before. But it's just another way to be like, fuck you, dad, and mom and dad. I'm going to see grandma. Yeah, there's no way she ever went to see her grandma at the home uh, where she was staying, you know, when when Tony was going there all the time. But now it's like, I love you, and I can never be without you, Grandma. I love you so much. And But, I mean, you're right. I mean, she's it's genuine. It's part of her rebellion, but it's also genuine when you compare it to Parvati and what we find out about her. Uh, not, not quite so much. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I love the line when she's like, at night they hit us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean speaking of which we we uh we jumped over a line that i like where christopher's uh lecturing these two guys and they come in and give him coffee and at the end he's just like this is cold by the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gives it back uh, which makes me wonder how damaged was that guy when they poured that coffee on him yeah if they got cold coffee then it's not even that big of a deal why are they getting all by out of shape mm-hmm. uh and uh the uh, well, I guess those those scenes. Because, yeah, then we got Tony. Tony's finally grooving. Tony's finally in a good spot. He's just driving down the road, cranking some tunes. Um, they do cut to, like, some of the blown-out buildings, and it reminds me a bit of, like, Tony looking at the painting um, yeah. because the buildings do... I mean, they, they look and they are. They're, like, dead inside and crumbling. And uh, then, of course, the CD starts skipping, and you'd almost think that's something we wouldn't have to deal with anymore. But I've had MP3 skip, or I've had Bluetooth <laughs> skip, so I still get this feel, even though it's yeah. a CD. And uh, yeah, he starts beating the shit out of his car, uh, and then has a kind of you know panic, like a mini panic attack, and crashes uh, into basically a post or whatever uh, uh, side of the road. But the airbag saves him. It's interesting that he is grooving, as you said, because it just makes the scene more dynamic. And because otherwise it would just be him like driving along normally, then getting annoyed and and crashing. But it actually is starting with him with this smile and energy. But it has this type of energy, like when he he was talking to Christopher of like, like the way I get when I'm uh, almost like too feeling too good. And it's actually because you're close to the edge of falling off and getting really annoyed about something. And I recognize that feel as well, whether it uh, is Bluetooth related or not. Um, so, so it just adds a bit to the scene and adds, it's like, it's part of his frantic thing of like, no, I'm in a great mood. Fuck you. Yeah. But actually it's all building inside. And yeah, he, he crashes the car. 
Yeah, and then we pick up with Tony, uh, where he's trying therapy with a new guy, as we heard at the top of the show. Um, and it's just, it, it's, I mean, never mind that it's not Melfi. It is kind of like, it's just a weird, jarring thing to see him in therapy with a guy for some reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, they almost make it a little a reveal because they just show him talking at first in a chair and it's kind of like wait that's not the chair he's usually in and it's like is this a different office and then yes of course it is it's a it's a different guy because melfi thinks he's following him around and or following her around and looking at her motel and everything so and he, and he has to say like see my mother and me had a falling out and it's like oh yeah well, tell me about the falling out and it's like just family stuff you know because <laughs> Because he's already d- done this once, and he went like went too far, and things got out of hand. So he knows he needs this, and I love that he always says to Carmilla like, "No, no therapy." But then he he knows he needs it, and he tries to get it, but he can't. And that's he's not gonna say that to her. He's gonna say, "No, no therapy," even though he he has realized after the crash at least that that would kind of be a good idea. Yeah, and especially like. Never mind going too far initially and kind of having the his his initial therapy situation fall apart. Like tr- getting to that, it, it took so long to get to that point with Melfi where they had an understanding and a trust where he could speak on certain things and speak about it in a certain way. And mm-hmm. and they they had yeah they had a rapport they had a rhythm. And now you have to start all over. And so much has happened since then as well, but you have to go back to the beginning. It's just, it's such a daunting thing uh, to to even try to think about. And yep. it'll take so long to get where they already were and then try to get better from there. So it kind of spells all that out in a pretty simple kind of fun scene, which is nice. Yes, and, and even he's not going to have a chance to do that because I think he's realizing now as well how unique Melfi is in even taking on this challenge. Like, she had to defend it to all her all her family. Were all, they're all therapists, and to her therapists and everyone involved, they're like, no, just d- d- drop him, drop the client. Um, but she was the one who actually saw something like, no, I can actually help. I can do a, a difference here. And... Uh, you know, in comparison here, it's like, what, what sort of business? And he's like, waste management. And he's like, I watch the news, you fucking mobster <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, so he's, he, he doesn't even get a chance. He's like, I'm not taking new clients right now. After a bit of jargon about analyze this. And then, uh, then we come back to another classic Soprano family party. Uh, but it's nice because it's also with us, the audience meeting like his sisters and stuff for the first time. And of course, Carmilla's parents. You get a sense that like a lot of people are now coming out of the woodwork because Livy is gone, and yeah. a lot of people that just stayed away because it's like, ah, I'm not gonna deal with. I don't want to deal with her shit. And it, it's spelled out in a great way, like when Janice is yelling, and then AJ's like holding his ears, <laughs> real quick. Uh, it's such a funny shot because it's like, I don't know, the family's all excited, but he's kind of like, oh fuck, shut up. This is so loud. Uh, I think I might have missed that. Oh, oh no, it's yeah, real fast. It it's it's funny because it's just when I think his sister Barb comes yeah, and then Janice yeah. is excited. <laughs> then, excited to hug each other. And, and then Tony comes <laughs> in the room and like yells something. Then she goes, ah! And then, <laughs> and then AJ just holds his ears because he can't, fucking can't <laughs> handle it. Yeah, that's a good shot. I just found it. Um, But yes, it's interesting from the standpoint of, yeah, Livia's gone, so now things are changing. But also just from a production and technical standpoint, if you put all these characters in episode one of season one, I'd be like, I don't know who who Tony is. Like, who the fuck are these people? And now it's actually broadening things out and giving you more dimensions to these characters and these families, where in season one... I think if they'd introduced his sisters, it would have been overkill because we're still getting to know him and everything going on in his life and in his business and everything so that they just mention uh, like, oh, yeah, the sister up there or what that sister or that sister. That's enough of like we were saying earlier of like dropping a little hint and maybe the writers didn't even know what sort of people these characters were. But now it's like, okay, now we can actually delve into this and it can have a meaning and a connection to the overall themes of family and, and things like that. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, we did first meet Janice in that flashback where she was the, his older sister was being taken to the um, amusement park or whatever. Um, And uh, yeah, then we meet Carmela's parents and her mother, 
who was in Goodfellas. She played uh, Karen Hill's mother. Um, uh. <laughs> it's uh, I like the way this scene plays out, too, because it's like, yes, Livia Soprano is like a fucking cancer that scares everything away or like rots you out from the inside. But the way the mother brings up what she said to her on her wedding day is that Tony will get sick of you. But then she's so she was telling the truth, kind of. And she was right in a way. And that's like even more annoying or more hurtful is that the crazy lady, the crazy like uh, bane of existence was is was actually telling you the truth. Uh, and it yeah. makes it hurt even more. Yeah. And I mean, her mother, Carmilla's mother doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, compared to Livia, uh, she's a saint, but it's still it's like the way she's ordering around her husband to go and get the pears and and the way she would even bring that up to her daughter. Like, remember that thing? Yes. Great. I was I was having a good day. Thanks for bringing that up. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because it's just another it's like, yeah, a couple levels down, but it's uh, just another uh, level of how like your family and sometimes specifically your parents can really fucking twist the knife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so we have uh, a scene with the two sisters as well, talking about uh, the, the state of things. And uh, I'm, I'm calling her Parvati because I can't remember. I don't know the names yet, really, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I'm calling her Parvati. Okay. And she's, you know, that's her. I'm not going to use her dead name. Um, <laughs> and she she's like, you know, you know, he's selling the house and... Tony's other sister's like, fucking don't even go there. Like, <laughs> don't fucking do anything. Like, just chill out and don't get too involved. Because, of course, as we find out, the only reason she's here and doing these things is that she wants a slice of the pie. Oh, and yeah. as she says, oh, you know, there's no will yet, meaning that she can get everything written off to her. Like, Tony gives a shit anyway. Like, the the annoying thing, like, he doesn't care about getting the value of the house. He couldn't care less about that. He's got these, uh, you know, webistic stock. They're up to 80. Uh, he's he's doing fine. But it's all this conflict of, like, yeah, I'm going to go and take the signs out when the house is like a cancer in Tony's mind that he wants to get rid of. And she's taking the sign out, and she's going to stick around and do all this shit with the mother. And then he just wants to not think about it uh but she's there raking up all the wounds well and i and and you're completely right he he doesn't give a fuck but which is what's great is now he gives a fuck just because of the way she's handling it like yeah. that like if she kind of came in and was like tony let me take care of the house i'll put it on the market blah 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 and in the in the end it would probably be understood he wouldn't have cared like uh as far as what would happen with the money or anything like that but the fact that she kind of sneaks in and is doing this stuff behind his back, now he really cares about it. And plus, I mean, just his elevating like aggression that we've seen throughout this episode. Uh, but I mean, I guess before we get to the scene where he freaks out, I do like to point out I love the detail of like she leaves her part, like the family's having a party for her. And she leaves early and gets in this giant Hummer with like a like a you know black guy driving. Like, not that it matters that he's black, but it's such a uh, random like uh, classic detail. Like, oh yeah, that's that character. She's like mm. a free spirit. Like, she's just bouncing around from people to people, and no doubt like scamming them in a weird way. What was she saying that she's gonna go do a music video or something? Yeah, she's trying to get video equipment for a music video, and she's going to a friend's art show or something or other. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, they're gonna finance her video and getting <laughs> like yeah, whatever. But Tony sees the sign after that and has a real proper freak out where, like as you said, he he wasn't really caring about it before. But, I mean, now it's like, I'm just a little fat kid to her. And as you said, there's the flashback. I never got to the, go to the new, to the carnival. Yep. Damn you. <laughs> Why does Janice get to go? Janice gets to do everything. Uh, and I, I, I hate to admit that I relate maybe too close to this scene when he's, like, getting really mad and f kind of freaking out a bit. Yeah. Because uh, I've seen myself. But, but, but I guess in my defense... I'll sit there and I'll get mad about somebody like motherfuck fuck. And then a second yeah. later I'll be like, oh, Hey, that's cool. <laughs> hey, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Uh, I don't need therapy. Ha ha ha. I'm driving off the road on the way to work. <laughs> you fine, Jim. You doing okay. <laughs> uh, but I just, I relate maybe way too close to the way he, like, I love 
the way he keeps reacting. And then even he seems to calm for a second because Carmelo's like, look, what do you care about this shit? Your friends are here. Just go out. And then he goes, this fucking bitch. And she's like, go have a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I relate to Carmelo more in this scene because she makes so much sense. And she's like she's taking it. She's putting up with it to a point. But then when he's like, getting so mad and so frustrated and thumping the wall i mean i have been there as well uh, of of being so overwhelmed with anger that it doesn't even make sense and you just want to scream and that's when she's like go to your friends this is not getting you anywhere this is destructive behavior you're not releasing anger you're building it um so yeah go have a beer is what he what her solution is but he goes out and I, I don't quite know what to make of the following scene, but as you said earlier, he's kind of taking his aggression out on pussy and calling him a fucking moron or whatever. Yep. I don't know why exactly, except that he's really angry. Well, yeah, I like it. it's He's doing that thing that a lot of people do where, I mean, obviously he's just, you know, uh, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have his target to point his anger at, so he's going to point it at, like, the next person. And, and Big Pussy's a good target just because... Like we were talking about, it's it's probably something Tony wished for, you know, this whole year or however long it's been, is just to is that Big Pussy's okay and that they didn't make a mistake and kill him or something. But him being back kind of does still reintroduce the whole. Well, maybe. What if maybe he's still? What if we were right? Like because now it's not this whole like oh great he's back things are back to normal. There's this extra anxiety over what if and so he's a he's like the perfect target and it's kind of like those scenes in scrubs where someone is mean to one person and then they go and be mean to the next person and it causes a chain reaction of like people shitting on each (laughs) other and then big pussy just starts shitting on his wife and kind of diffuses it pretty well and everyone's cracking up about how big pussy has an ugly wife that looks like a, a dog and then there's like <laughs> reminiscing about a famous actress or something that Big Polly has to grab his dick like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another aspect as well of this scene that I don't know how. I, I mean, it's important as far as framing. I don't know if it's important as far as uh, setting the tone moving forward. But it has been previously the case that Tony's been, even though he's a capo, he's one of the guys. And the way they just frame this shot with the four guys standing uh, together, yep. him standing off on his own, uh, it's it's very much isolating him where they have this banter going on about this and that. And not only is he disconnected in his mind because he's like freaking out and angry over things, he's also physically further away from them, uh, kind of cementing that yeah you know he could go in and bullshit with them but no one's ever gonna tell him he's a fucking moron anymore uh because he's the big boss now uh so so he's it's kind of not the same yeah no absolutely and and because it does even go further from there as well where when he starts to lighten up but then things kind of still get trippy right like he's almost about to have uh have another attack or you know pass out or something and it is all kind of focused on on big pussy as you know he's like staring at him or what have you yeah and they're having fun and dancing and he's almost fainting and i almost thought like is he gonna fall over right now because uh that would be bad as far as uh, his uh, reputation and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and I guess that's kind of what part of why he goes to Melfi a little bit later. But first, we have a scene with Christopher uh, where it's going uh, less good. Uh, you know, there's a bit more trouble in heaven in paradise, as it were. And I love the initial reveal because um, we come <laughs> yeah. in and Adrian is pissed off at Christopher. And we do find out there's a little bit more to it. But then we get the reveal that the the fucking two guys are there, and I thought like that was what she was annoyed as they were supposed to have like a night out, and he just brought them like they're just hanging out yes. with those guys. Similar to when Tony, you know, they had their anniversary dinner, and he was doing a covert talk with the people from New York. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he also left her gas burner on, so <laughs> she would have died if she lit a cigarette. And all that stuff happened off screen, but it all makes sense because we've seen him do a bit more drugs, and she calls him a junkie or whatever, and he's yelling and being really aggressive and mean about it. And I love that neither of them really gives a shit that these two guys are there, really cementing how low on the hierarchy they are, um, because it doesn't even matter that they yeah. hear this, at least not when they're feeling this bad. Yeah. Because even like he backhands her, but then she just like smacks him back, 
And then he's like, yeah, she walks out and he's like, uh, yeah, get out of here, you whore. Go get my dinner or something. <laughs> like some dumb line like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I want them to work out like they have a night. Like when he's sitting there sleeping at the start, she comes in and kisses his cheek. And we have a nice shot of the cheek and her lips just coming in. And it's so sweet. And then off screen, he just, you know, I, it's totally believable because we've seen him do so many stupid things <laughs> that it's like, yeah, of course he fucked us up when we weren't looking. Because uh, she's, a, she's a sweetheart. And the only bad thing she's ever done is try to be a music producer when she doesn't know shit about music. But yeah. um that's about it. She's great. And uh yeah, that's they have this the the two guys um You ever cap motherfuckers together yeah. <laughs> with Mr. T? And, and I love how he just like, looks at them. <laughs> and they're like, "We'll do anything. Wet work, pick up his shirts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are pretty good characters. Uh I can see them doing something stupid. So stupid within an episode or two that they need to be taken out of the equation too. <laughs> And uh, yeah, then we get uh, Mel- uh, Tony shows up as Melfi's at a diner, and they have a nice back and forth. Where I mean, she's rightfully furious, and because that's the, the 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 big thing is like, if it has has it has it been a ye- it, a year in the show? No, right? I mean, I definitely don't feel like it doesn't it's feel been like a year. it, right? Because I can't uh, imagine she would have been working out of a hotel for a full year. It, but obviously, the the year is just a nod to us, the audience back in the day that had to wait a year for the new season. Yeah, I mean, it says on Wikipedia that it's several months. That makes more sense. But still, I don't know where they got that from, but just judging by the fact that everything is kind of the same, uh, yeah, it feels like it's been a few months uh, because... Like what's like the reason the reason he didn't call earlier to say everything's okay you can come back is that they just had to cap this last guy and if he waited a year to do that yeah. uh, he yeah. doesn't deserve to go to this diner and even yeah. have her say fuck you absolutely but yeah so we learned that one of her pa- like much as she had feared one of her patients did commit suicide while she was you know indisposed hiding for her life uh, because of Tony. Um, but yeah, Tony's also just trying to come in and let her know, like, hey, I crashed my car. Things are getting worse. But how in her right mind can she take him back on as a patient after what happened? Yeah. And like he even says, like, maybe you can refer me to someone else. And she's so like, she she's she, not only does she not want to be his therapist, she doesn't want him to have a therapist because of this situation that he has put her in. How could I possibly refer to you to someone else after you've done this to me? Uh, so she's gone over to the side of her ex-husband who was like, oh, he's a piece of shit. He's a scumbag. So that's got to hurt even worse than just uh, her not taking him back on. Yes. Yeah, because it's, it's the, I mean... Clearly the most like aggressive we've seen her towards Tony, which makes sense because usually it's more in a patient-doctor situation. But now it's like here we are in real life. Things have affected her personally. Uh, and then Tony's just kind of coming back with the request of like, hey, you know, hey, let's let bygones be bygones under the bridge. I need therapy again. I'm going to pass out in front of my underlings. <laughs> Help me, please. <laughs> he, he does say that, it, I swear to God, no one got killed because of you. I guess that's kind of true. Uh, cause they would, he would have killed that guy anyway. Or what do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's definitely like a gray area, but it's also, you know, I think it's very important that he didn't say it was okay until that guy was dead. So it's like a, it's a little white lie that, you know, if it depends, it depends on what kind of point of view you want to take. But yeah, I agree. He probably would have killed him no matter what. But that also doesn't sound great because it's not like he said, I didn't kill anybody. He says, yeah. nobody got killed because of you, meaning that it's all right. I would have killed those guys anyway. And her response reasonably is, get out of my life, uh, is, is, <laughs> is what she yells at him and just goes back to her crossword or whatever she's doing. Um, I mean, we, we're seeing her in a different context, but it's also like she's acting differently, but also visually like we've never... Well, we have, but this is a non-professional context. Her hair looks worse than usual. Like, they do all this stuff, I think, intentionally to, you know, show... I guess she's been living in this motel, too. Like, all of these things are affecting her uh, her state of mind as far as Tony, I think. Because when they had their last session, it was like, uh, like, okay, I have a thing up my sleeve, but I'm not... 
like at, in the end she was like okay fuck i'll have to do the thing but now she's like she's had to do the thing and she's mad about it too yeah and as you said the suicide is a huge part of that no doubt yeah and i like how they play the rest of the episode out where it's just kind of tony walks out and he's kind of in like uh you know it's like he's just in like obviously he's like some sort of deep thought like thinking over his life apparently and you know, then he just shows up at home and it's just like a kind of a routine. Like, of, here's Carmela. Of course, she's going to heat up some leftovers, but they just kind of sit in silence. Uh, and it's, you know, pretty low key end for the way they keep building his aggression. Um, yeah. But it's I don't know. It's it's nice because it's like you almost wonder, is he going to just freak out all of a sudden? Like, is he going to sit there and then all of a sudden flip the fucking bowl over and start yelling what a fucking bukiak, uh Melfi is? <laughs> Well, I I like it. Um, I'll, I'll I like it because, as I said at the start, the montage sort of shows you that everything is the same, and the ending shows you that it isn't. And like the the first episode sets up the thing of you know a guy walks into a therapist's office. That's going to be the framework of this show. And I don't know. I I'm going to assume that at some point he does get back to being uh, Melfi's patient. But this at least gives us the promise that that's not going to happen immediately because mm, it, he doesn't have that anymore the reason he, he comes outside in this shot as you said with really strong sunlight on him and it's color corrected really interestingly or uh, color graded i should say where it's almost a bit dreamlike the way he's standing there and thinking and yeah maybe he would have freaked out it, it's a really interesting end scene because it's um comparing it to most endings it's usually a little bit more dramatic one way or another and what i feel that they're showing is that tony's lost he doesn't know like when's the last time he just kind of followed carmilla around the house mm -hmm. she's not complaining but she's kind of like you want some leftovers and he's like yeah because he'll say yes to anything because he's just he's lost he doesn't know what to do right now and he's just he's just at home and it doesn't even make sense that he would be home at that time uh, but he just kind of walks around and sits down and eats it. And we don't get a clear answer to what this means or what he's going to do. I don't even think he's hungry, but uh, he's going to sit down and eat <laughs> yeah. this just because it's the thing he's doing right now. And um, at least it's something because you're right. Yeah. It's it's something to do uh, because, yeah, he's just aimlessly wandering around. So any suggestion someone had is like, OK, let's do that. That sounds good to me. Yeah, much like Carmilla seems to aimlessly sort of sort mail and do things around the house, uh, which adds to her feeling of not feeling useful uh, in life. I mean, it's related to she did start trading stock herself. Uh, she could go into business with Tony at this point. They have <laughs> the same sort of interest there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. They're just kind of sitting there, just like you and me, Jim. Yes, yeah, and... um. It's it's uh, a really well done like like I said I was like excited to be back into the show and everything and it's just a nice like like you said everything there's so much familiar but it feels like everything's being built out more because we're introduced to these new characters and things are starting to uh, open up as far as the Tony Soprano's world here uh, and I mean just the fact that. He's at a place where he went to Melfi to try to get help or even went to see another therapist. Uh, it shows growth, dare I say? Yes, uh, absolutely. So I am. I don't know what's going to happen next, and that's part of the excitement because like when I watched the first episode of The Sopranos, I kind of thought, okay, this is the show. This is the framework of the show and what's going to happen. He's going to go in and talk about his mob stuff and then he's going to do mob stuff and therapy stuff. And now it's like, no, nah, he's not going to do therapy stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> and he's going to do mob stuff, but he's the boss now. So I don't even know. I, I don't know what the next episode will be at all. So uh, I look forward to it even more. Absolutely. And like we said at the top of the show, uh, if you got some thoughts on that episode or even some upcoming episodes, uh, we can bank them and get to it when we get to that episode. Send it on over to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. And of course, we always appreciate podcast reviews on iTunes, either under Shows What You Know or Cuts of Black, A Soprano Sit Down, or both. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, uh, please do leave a review. We got, did get a new review from 
KCDK62, who wrote, Watching Sopranos for the first time and looking for a podcast to accompany. This one is great. No spoilers. Five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, you, we really can't express how much we appreciate that and all the people coming along on this journey. It makes it a lot more fun for everyone, and especially me, uh, because I've never done it before, and I appreciate like Like KCDK, uh, I also... Uh, appreciate that we don't have any spoilers except for <laughs> what we've been up to because uh, I would not be able to listen to a Sopranos podcast because I'm sure most of them are like, oh yeah, remember season six? I don't. I don't remember season six. So so thank you for helping me in my unsullied ears and eyes, Jim, and, and being my filter to the world. And thank you listeners for not reviewing with spoilers. <laughs> so uh, that's it for this week uh, on Twitter. You can find us at Shows What You Know with a U, where we post the link to the live stream, which happens on every Sunday. We will now also be doing Westworld streams on Tuesdays. And on Sundays, we will also be discussing Handmaid's Tale in our brand new show, The Gilead Gazette. Um, we recommend The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, it's a very good show. We look forward to getting into season two very soon. So if you, if you feel like checking any of that out, you can find it all at showswhatyouknow.com. Absolutely. Uh, and you can find more of Jacob at awesomepedia.org. All kinds of good stuff. Tons of content to go through. Of course, a YouTube channel as well. And you can find more from me at jimandthem.com. Yes, and I do have, by the way, a video I've been working on for literally months. It's my follow-up to the Game of Thrones video. It's a video essay type thing, and it's coming out. It'll be out by the time this podcast is out, so please check it out at youtube.com slash awesomepedia. Is there anything else, Jim? Well, there is one more thing. What's that? Cut to black.